When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Good morning and welcome in to DNVR Rams Live presented by High Plains Strains, the Northeastern Colorado dispensary providing top quality cannabis and a wide variety of products. Give them a visit. Be sure to mention DNVR to take advantage of their deals. Alrighty, it was a crazy one up in Moby Friday night, another classic orange out atmosphere. I'm going to dive into the history. The Rams have had a lot of success in these games. It's been fun. I'm going to give my uh, personal top five orange out moments. But before then, we've got a lot of action to dive into. This was a really high level basketball game. I mean, these are two talented teams, NBA prospects on both sides. I was sitting next to a scout for the Mavs, but there were reps from the Hawks there, uh, the 76ers. There was one other team. I'm drawing a blank on the fourth one. But it was fun, man. I, I thought both teams played well. Um, there were stretches where you could kind of see both teams where they had an opportunity to take it over. And I thought to both teams' credit, they were just really resilient in this one. There was some really high-level shot-making, um, intense on-ball defense on both sides. But uh, in the end, you know, the Rams, that they found a way to pull it out. And it's just crucial. I mean, you've got to win your home games if you want to have an opportunity to keep pace in this tight league, this was such a pivotal moment. Uh, they end up pulling out the double-digit comeback, fourth of the season. So, you know, I, I think it, it would be nice to see them uh, get off to a little bit hotter start. Although offensively, you know, they kind of started well, and then they had this long stretch where they just seemingly couldn't buy a bucket. And it, it wasn't like the offense was poor; like they didn't have poor action. I didn't feel like it was sloppy. Uh, that there was a lot of cutting. You know, the movement was crisp. The ball was popping. I thought guys were sharing it and, you know, trying to get high quality looks and they got a lot of good looks. They just missed a lot of open jump shots. And it it is a trend, I think, that is somewhat concerning, especially given, you know, it's been a a theme now for basically all of conference play, you know, outside of Isaiah Stevens, uh, Neat Clifford and Patrick Cartier most nights, although he had a untypical week, just kind of a cold stretch offensively did hit a big shot late in that, that win over UNLV though, you know, but outside of those three, they've just been really not getting a a ton. I mean, Joel Scott does look like he has found his confidence back, which is great. He had 10 points in that second half was absolutely huge. We'll get into that. There was a, a pivotal stretch there in the second half after CSU went down double digits where Isaiah really just went into attack mode. And and again, we'll kind of get into that later. There's, there's a, there's a bunch to get into when it comes to this win, but you know, I I just think this was one you can't overlook. This was a a gritty win against a team that 
has as much talent, you know, as anybody in the league. I know they're up and down. They're very inconsistent. If you don't follow the Mountain West, this isn't going to be, you know, a, a win that is going to jump out at you. But we've seen it. I mean, that's a team that should have beat Utah State. They did beat Boise on the road, and they damn near beat CSU in Moby. Um, I, I think they're going to play a pretty big factor in this league race. It's it's kind of starting to look like it, they might be the team out of Nevada, you know, between them and Nevada that, you know, has the best chance to, to make a run here. We'll see. The Rams probably going to get a pissed off uh, Wolf Pack on Wednesday night. They lost in Laramie over the weekend. But again, that just shows you how crazy this league is. And like, you know, you're, you're just going to have to kind of take it week by week. It's not a situation where, you know, you can look at what happened against Air Force on Wednesday and, you know, you can freak out, but that that's what's going to happen in this league. Everybody's going to push each other. There's going to be moments, but you have to avoid those slip-ups, especially against the bottom six teams. And right now, UNLV is kind of in that 6-7 range. So, you know, if you lose that game, it does hurt you. It wouldn't be devastating, but to be able to pull this out in the way that they did, I, I just thought it was so fun. I mean, epic crowd. The, the orange out has just become one of my my favorite traditions annually. It was the third sellout of the year. I tweeted at one point that it was a second. I was incorrect. I thought St. Mary's came up just short for some reason. Um, I don't know. Maybe I'm blocking that game out of my mind because it was kind of a frustrating one. But I see you, St. Mary's. And now this this orange out, San Diego State should be a sellout. Wyoming should be a sellout. I, I would hope that some of these other big-time games down the stretch are as well. But, you know, shout out to Ram Nation for showing up and showing out. This was a record student out. This was a record student turnout, sorry. Um, which it always just makes it more fun. You know, like I will say every game we get the, you know, F Las Vegas, FCU, F Wyoming chant. I feel like we can do a little bit better. Like I love the energy. I love that the students are engaged. This is going to be so paramount for the success of the athletic department moving forward. You need these students having these type of memorable experiences because that's how you, you know, get bought in. That was the problem for so many years, you know, when, when CSU basketball was down and obviously football has been down now for a while, it it just, it it makes it so that the students become apathetic and why shouldn't they be, you know, if there's, you know, nothing to show up for it, but this team is, is fun. And, you know, they, they give love back to the community after the game, which is always cool to see too. It's, it's just become a really fun atmosphere, you know, up in Fort Collins under Nico Medved. This team has a ton of talent. Um, they're inconsistent at times, which, you know, again, there's some things they have to clean up and we'll, and we'll get into that. They're just really resilient though. And, and that is a characteristic that I think tends to translate to postseason success. You know, it, it's not going to be 30 point wins probably in NCAA tournament. Maybe you get a favorable matchup you're able to stomp someone, but for the most part, it's going to be a grinded out, you know, back and forth game, kind of like, you know, Michigan, although they pulled away in the end, getting these types of experiences now in in January, February, going into March, it's only going to benefit the Rams, especially because they're finding a way to pull out wins when you're not necessarily, you know, playing your your A game. Like I I do think that um, offensively, they kind of got back to uh, what they've been as a team this year. Nico said that post game. I would agree. Like I said, you know, that there weren't necessarily a ton of guys sinking shots early on, um, but the looks were good. And that's really all you can ask for. Uh, hopefully, hopefully some of those shots start to fall and you kind of see those averages even out because, you know, guys like Jalen Lake, Josiah Strong, Joe Palmer, 
they're clearly capable of hitting those shots. We've seen them do it now on a, on a fairly large scale. So I don't think that their ability to hit open threes has just gone out the window, but it, it's been a cold stretch. Now you expect them to be a little bit better at home when we had Tom Mosser on the podcast, uh, Moser on the podcast. He kind of pointed that out, you know, just role players tend to to play better at home. So when you get those games at home where they're not able to to hit the open jump shots, it can be a little bit frustrating, but that's where you need them to kind of make an effort somewhere else. And I thought defensively, those guys were huge, Josiah in particular, but Jalen as well. You know, in that second half, they just really turned up the intensity. And we're going to get into that. We're going to get into all the takeaways. Um, when you get hurt, Bax and Shanker, they are here to help. Bax and Shanker have been helping Colorado families for more than 25 years. They're free until they win money in your case. No upfront fee to speak with you about your case. No, no fees while they're working on your case. You don't have to pay anything unless they win money for you. They've already won over a billion dollars for their clients. They have more locations than ever serving all of Colorado. They've got neighborhood offices in Denver, Aurora, Inglewood, and Fort Collins. They have the strength and power to win your case with more than 30 lawyers and 100 staff. Bax and Shanker helps with all kinds of injury cases where you weren't at fault. Car accident, motorcycle, ride share, pedestrians, trucks. They can even help if you're injured at work. Call Bax and Shanker at 222-2222 to find out if you have a case for free. Bax and Shanker wins. I also want to shout out High Plains Strains. Of course, they provide some of the top quality cannabis around. But, I mean, you can check them out for all your needs. They've got infused edibles, high-potency concentrates, some of the best flour in the state. There's three locations in northeastern Colorado, Log Lane Village, Garden City, and Sedgwick. If you're out in northeastern Colorado, they are the dispo for you. Save time and order online at highplainstrains.com. Make sure you use that code DNVR. Pick up conveniently with a drive through And also, you know, again, these deals, they are sweet. Uh, full ounce for 80 bucks. Fair Toss 8s for 25 Mammoth 1-gram cartridges for 15 Exquisite Extracts, 4 for 40 Remember to use that code DNVR online. Or mention DNVR in stores to take advantage of these High Plains Strains deals. Whew. All right. Uh, shout out to my guy, uh, Steve Ivey, in the comment section, a.k.a. Swole Cracker. Great to see you as well, my man. Thank you for everybody for tuning in with us on a Sunday morning. This was a fun one Friday night. Uh, these late night games are tough on the brain. I think yesterday I posted the the Saturday wind, you know, with the NFL games on. I don't even know where I'm at some of the time, but I am really blessed to be able to cover this really fun team and, and to be able to engage with this awesome CSU Rams community. You know, I got to see Steve, which is always just a joy. Um, I got to see you know, a ton of people up there. And, and I appreciate the, the love and the support that I constantly get from Ram Nation. It's not something that I ever take for granted. And, you know, I'm, I'm kind of awkward when people compliment me in, in person. I, it means the world to me. And the fact that you guys tune in and want to listen to this show, it means the world to me. I just never know what to say. But truly, from the bottom of my heart, thank you to everybody for uh, continuing to tune in and support this program. I really think everybody from CSU Twitter was at this game, which was kind of cool. So let's get into it. Let's talk about some of these takeaways from the game. Um, you know, you go down seven at the break. And, you know, if, if you're in the comment section, please feel free to chime in. Um, I didn't feel like the offense was poor. Medved didn't either. Um, I, I felt like the ball was flowing. Um, I felt like maybe at times Isaiah was being a little bit passive just early on. Um, but obviously he took it on down the stretch. There's just something about this 
UNLV matchup that tends to to bring the Zay mode out of them. I mean, those two go for a combined 39 points in this one. Meet Clifford, 21 points, seven of eight from the floor. He goes three of three from deep, four of four from free throw line. Um, one of the things that was very alarming, Neek and Isaiah, they go a combined seven of 11 from deep. Patrick is one of five. But if uh, those two are seven of 11, that means the rest of the team want to combine three of 17 in this game. Um, no clue what we're talking about. We got somebody in the comment section asking about the New York Knicks. Um, no clue, man. No clue, my man. Um, down seven at the break. I didn't feel like the offense was poor. Sorry, that totally got me sidetracked. <laughs> the offense, it's very dependent on, on Neek and Zay to score at the moment, which, I mean, those guys, they can produce. Like, you don't have an issue with them putting up shots, especially right now because they're, they're making the right decision every single time. They're not going out there and they're not trying to do too much if, you know, they need to to keep the the ball moving around the perimeter, they'll do that. If there's a guy that's cutting, they're going to hit him. If there's, you know, a, a situation where they need to put it on the floor and attack, they're doing so. If they need to hit a, a big shot from deep, and both of those guys did that, you know, that that's just going to be huge. Um, in that second half, I did feel like CSU did a better job of getting to the rim. Um, they obviously hit some of those shots in, in the second half that they weren't able to hit early on. In that first half, you go 31% uh, from three-point range. In the second half, it was 42%, which, you know, it's it's still not great. It's still inconsistent. You need some of these guys outside of Neek, outside of Isaiah to hit him down, hit him consistently. You think that, you know, Patrick Cartier is going to be that guy a lot of the time. Um, but, you know, he, he just, he missed some open ones. You don't have an issue with him taking them, especially when they are open and in rhythm. That shot at the top of the key is so important for this offense because it opens driving lanes for everybody else. He's just an important factor in general. He's a guy that, you know, I think, especially in these coming weeks, we're going to see a lot more from him than we have seen over these last two games. Great that you're able to get an aggressive effort out of Joel Scott in this one. You know, I, I still think there are times where he could be even more aggressive. He doesn't have the the same touch, I would say, as Patrick does around the rim, but obviously he's really explosive. He's a big, strong guy, and when he forces his way down there, you know, it, it's just, it's hard to stop. And it makes everything so much more free flowing for this offense. All of a sudden you're going to have more space on the outside. All of a sudden you're going to have more driving lanes and those points in the paint, they're huge, especially against a big physical team like UNLV and to be able to essentially match their production. CSU had a plus or UNLV had a plus two advantage over UNLV in the paint, but to basically match their production while doubling, doubling their output from three, I mean, that's, that's a recipe for success, especially with what you were able to do defensively in that second half. You know, they didn't force any turnovers in the first half. And that was alarming, especially because they had six themselves. In the second half, they come out, they only have three turnovers and they force 11, which results in 18 points for the Rams. They did a great job of getting out in transition, taking advantage of those sloppy mistakes. Uh, 11 steals in the second half for CSU so, or 10 steals out of those 11 turnovers too. So it wasn't an instance like, you know, it's a bunch of, you know, charges or something like that, you know, that they're going out and, and being assertive and, and finding a way to create extra possessions for themselves. It was huge because they needed them. Again, they missed a lot of open shots, but they found a way to get it done um, when they needed 32nd half points out of Neat Clifford, Isaiah and Joel Scott. 
Joe obviously had a scary moment where he kind of got hammered from behind. It was bang, bang. Um, I thought it was a foul. I just thought there was too much body contact. If Joe goes for a layup, and I saw I saw a couple people post this actually, but if he goes up for the layup, I think he probably does get the foul call because he goes for the dunk. I mean, the defender has a right to contest it too. It's 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 tough. Um, Nico is pissed. That's as mad as I've seen him on the sideline all season. Fortunately, Joel's able to come back. He said post game that he's fine. You know, just got shooken up a little bit. That's going to happen. Um, but you know, I, I mentioned this earlier. I thought the turning point in that second half, after the Rams go down ten and they they come out, they force four turnovers over the first four minutes of that second half after not forcing any in that first half. They set the tone defensively, but they weren't really able to make any progress. You know, they, they cut the lead, I think, at one point. You're down seven. They cut it to like four or five. Then UNLV is able to extend it again. They go down 10 with about 13 minutes left, and that's when it's starting to get a little bit scary at that point. Uh, just, you know, this is a hot team. The Rams, they've already had to come back from double digits this week. Do they have enough in them? And I thought it was it was just a, a testament to this team's smartness and just how calm they are in the moment. I mean, you go down 10 there, some teams, they might start jacking up threes. And again, there were stretches in this game where I did feel like CSU got a little three happy. But when they go down 10, instead of just continuing to jack up all these shots from deep, Isaiah, he immediately ta- attacks straight up the gut. I mean, just... Gets to the rim, finishes through contact, misses the free throw, unfortunately. he's He's been a little up and down as a free throw shooter this year, as remarkable as he's been. That's like the one area this season where he has not been uh, as good as he tends to be. It's not like he's been bad. Like Isaiah having a rough stretch as a free throw shooter is better than 99% of college free throw shooters out there. But still, just something to keep an eye on. Um, there have been some moments where he's missed ones where I've been a little bit surprised and he would tell you that himself because he's just so competitive, but I thought it was such a heady moment for him to, you know, instead of trying to jack up a three, get to the hoop, get an easy two points, get contact, get a foul. And then, you know, he, he really could feel the spacing and he does it three straight times after that. And, you know, those ones actually end with dunks for Joel Scott, um, either from an assist directly from Isaiah or uh, indirectly through another man. There was another one instance where he dished it to Cartier, who spun in the post, and then dished it to a, a cutting Scott along the baseline, and he just gets three basically uncontested dunks. And I, it really changed the game. I mean, that 8-0 spurt over roughly 90 seconds of game time was basically what allowed the Rams to get right back in it. I mean, if you let the the deficit compound at that point you go down like 13 14 that's going to be a really tough hole to dig yourself out of especially just given how physical UNLV was and again this is an inconsistent team I think that's as good as UNLV has looked all season and they have a ton of talent they've got great athletes they've got size they're physical I just thought to attack like that and understand the moment not to panic it really demonstrates you know just how calm, cool, and collected these guys are in the moment. And again, it just changed the context. You go down double digits there. After that 8-0 run, you never go down by more than six again at any point in that game. You're just able to hang around. And eventually, you know, and I was talking about this with Steve post-game, I kind of feel like UNLV just ran out of steam, you know? 
they, they, they looked like they were gassed over those last couple of minutes. All of a sudden, you know, they weren't able to keep the Rams out of the paint as well. You know, they all of a sudden, you know, offensively, they weren't moving as much, which allowed CSU to kind of, you know, trap them at times and put them in some pretty difficult positions. And credit CSU, I mean, they swarmed. The effort was phenomenal, especially from some guys who weren't, you know, having huge offensive games. And, you know, as phenomenal as Neat Clifford was offensively in this one, and he continues to just put a ton of really high-level basketball on tape for NBA scouts, mid-range, three-point, just doing basically whatever he wants to out there. I mean, the play of the game is the block that he had. It's tied at 68 apiece with a couple minutes left. He comes uh, weak side, I think, and gets a, a block of Caleb Boone. It's going to be an easy layup. I think it's actually in the stat book as a steal and turnover, but it was a block. And Nico, you know, kind of pointed that out post game too. They're just, they're doing the little things right now, man. They're, they're making winning plays and they're finding ways to grind it out in a really tough league. And I just want to be clear, like, this is what Mountain West basketball is going to be this season. Yeah, there'll, there'll probably be a game or two where the Rams really get rolling and they cruise. They win a game by like 20 plus. There might be a game where they really just don't have it in a tough environment. Like you could see realistically going into a, a, a snake pit, like uh, you know, Viejas or a lion's den. That is the pit. I was going to call the pit a snake pit, but that seemed a little bit redundant. Um, but you know, going into an insane atmosphere like that, you could see a situation where you kind of get run off the floor. I hope not. And you could also see a situation where this veteran team pulls it out, but you know, road wins, they're just not going to come easy in this league. We see it, you know, San Diego state, they go on the road, they get murdered by New Mexico after, you know, really looking like they had it together. After that, they go to Boise and lose a tight one yesterday, New Mexico at home. They look like you know, the, the bowls with Michael Jordan, they go on the road. They look like a completely different team. Reno, Reno found out the hard way going to Laramie that this past weekend, it's just, it's going to be tough. And that's why you have to find ways to win at home and whether it's pretty or not, so long as you're able to take care of business at home and, you know, steal a couple on the road, you're going to have an opportunity you know, I, I really do think this is going to be the first year ever that the Mountain West regular season winner has five conference losses. It, it's never happened before. I think it's going to be a given at this point, just because it's such a gauntlet in this in this conference this year. And you know, maybe somebody's able to get hot and figure it out. But I just I have a hard time seeing anybody sweep like multiple of these top teams. I I just don't see it happening. So. You got to win these ugly ones when you can um, as, as much as it, I call it ugly. I actually thought it was really high level basketball, but I just mean, you got to be able to grind it out when you can, you know, a night where you're not always hitting everything, then you find a way to, to get to the rim, you know? And I just thought that the Rams did just enough in this one in a game where, you know, UNLV really gave them everything that they had. And that's a team that, it's good. I really think they're going to finish in the top five in the Mountain West standings. I don't know if they're going to be a tournament team just because, unfortunately for them, they didn't have both Boone brothers for like the first 10 games of the year or whatever it was. But I mean, if they had both those guys from the start of the season, the context of this year completely changes for the Rebels. And I just think when it's all said and done, you look back at, you know, the win over New Mexico obviously looks great, but you look at this win, you're going to really be impressed a couple months from now. Cause I think this is a UNLV team that's 
going to cause troubles for teams. And they already have. I mean, they should have beat Utah State on the road. They quite literally choked it away over the last five minutes. And they were also the victim of a, a brutal swing at the end of five-point play for Utah State after going up for a really ticky-tacky call that basically cost them the game. But I'm also one of those people that, you know, really argue that very rarely does a game actually get decided by one call. Like, don't put yourself in a position for the first 39 and a half minutes to where it comes down to that. There are a million things that lead up to it. And I think sometimes we try and get too fixated on one call over the last 30 seconds, but they all count the same. Anyways, this is a a rant for another day. Uh, But, you know, when this team needed to, to get it done, they were able to. They had really key stretches where they were able to get to the hoop late. They were able to hit some big threes. Isaiah was a big part of that. Something about UNLV, man, it just brings the Zay mode out of him. And I'm going to get into some of that history here uh, in just a second. I'm also going to kind of just go through some of the orange out history, talk about some of my favorite moments. If you're in the comment section, feel free uh, to give me some of your favorite orange out moments as well. Um, just a couple more takeaways here before we get into that. Again, those those 30 second half points out of Clifford Stevens and Scott was huge. You need more from the bench right now. They have really done almost nothing in league play. Actually, you know, kind of going back to that New Mexico game, that was really the last time we saw them accomplish much. Um, you need these guys to do more. And that's not to say that they're not like rebounding, that they're not playing good D. And it's great because that's that's why they've been competitive in all these games, even when you know they've had some stretches where they've turned the ball over too much or where, you know, the physical on-ball defense has given them issues and they're not knocking down open jump shots. Because they're playing hard, they're not getting boat raced at any point. But in these tight games, you know, like, it can't always be Neat Clifford having 21 points on 7 of 8 shooting. You know, Isaiah going for 18. Uh, You know, if you don't get that 10 points from Joel Scott in the second half, I'm not sure the Rams, like, have enough in this one to win, even as remarkable as as Neek and Isaiah were. And those guys continue to, again, really just perform at a high level. I think both of them are firmly in the all-conference mix. Obviously, NBA scouts are interested. It's, it's going to be interested to see kind of what happens with those two, you know, how this season goes on. Um, got somebody in the comments section, Justin, watching from Minneapolis. Great coverage. Seemed like ball was in Zay's hands more often uh, than the past few games, especially late in possessions. Yeah, I think Isaiah was really assertive, especially down the stretch. I, I Look, he's one of those guys where even if there are times where I feel like I want him to be a little bit more uh, selfish, I got to un- understand that like he just plays the game at his own pace. And it, it's so much like Nikola Jokic where like there are instances where we know how good he is. And so we're like, just take over but then it's really easy to start forcing things. And when you lose the mentality or, you know, when you lose sight of the mentality that makes you so great in the first place, like you can just try and do too much. So I I do think that he, he was very assertive, especially in that second half. I mean, he was the, the cog that made this work. I mean, he's the facilitator. Five of his seven assists were in that second half. 10 of his points were in the second half. So like he really was aggressive. He was driving. Um, but you know, like he's just kind of one of those guys that wants everybody to be a part of the action. And frankly, the, the team is better for it. Now, again, they need some of these other guys to start knocking down uh, the shots. But I think to Isaiah's credit, he kind of recognized like, all right, this isn't happening. So I'm going to put it on the floor here for a couple stretches. I'm going to get to the rim. And then at the end, you know, after 
he's put a tired defense on their heels. Then he catches a couple of really, you know, deep threes to kind of put the dagger in him. So I, I just, I, I can't say enough good things about him. And again, there is something about this UNLV matchup that just for whatever reason brings the best out of him. We're going to talk about it here. Um, but a shout out to Breckenridge Brewery. They've been with us since the very beginning. There's nothing better than having an ice cold Breck brew in hand. They've been doing it for 33 years. It all comes down to their love and passion for making good beer made with hundred percent renewable energy. You got to love that. Uh, some of my favorites include avalanche, amber ale, mountain beach could really use a, a little taste of summer in the, the cold of winter here. Whatever you're into, they're going to have something for you. Check out the Breck Beer Locator at breckbrew.com to find a brew near you. I also want to shout out my friends over at FOCO, leading manufacturer of sports and entertainment merchandise with a product line that includes apparel, accessories, toys, novelty items, and more. They have some of the best officially licensed gear for all sports and fandoms. If you're going to a basketball or hockey game, you want to show your love, you know, with some team-branded friendship bracelets a la Taylor Swift. They got you there, whether it's hoodies, jackets, beachwear, even overalls. That's pretty cool. They've got something for every occasion. Set decorations, they've hooked us up with plenty over the years. FOCO always has our back for Colorado sports. They will have yours too. Get the best gear around by using the link in our description for all non-presale items. Use the code DNVR for 10% off. Love it, love it, love it. All right, let's, let's talk about Isaiah specifically because... Obviously, he was huge in this game. Um, Neek was as well, leads the team in scoring with 21 points. But I just felt like Isaiah and the scoring that he contributed along with, you know, the the action that he was able to create for everybody else. It was just so huge in this game. 10 points, five assists in that second half, pair of huge threes late. He has never lost in the orange uniform. Something about that pumpkin out in alfalfa. Also something about the UNLV. And it was kind of fitting that this orange out win came against UNLV because Isaiah's first ever game against the rebels happened to be the 2020 orange out win 95 77 over UNLV. That was Isaiah versus uh, Bryce Hamilton in part one. Totally epic duels between those two over the next couple of years, multiple games for both those guys went for like 28, 30 plus points. That's been the funny thing though. I mean, Three of Isaiah's four highest uh, career scoring games have come against UNLV. Five of his top 20, you know, career performances have come against the Rebels. So literally a quarter of his top scoring performances have come against the Rebels. It's just something about this matchup. It makes sense. I mean, UNLV always has high level guard play scores. Um, It kind of feels like the games against them have an NBA feel where it it becomes kind of like tit for tat guys going you know, shot for shot. And at times, actually, even when Isaiah has been, you know, able to go off for like 30 plus points, the the team's success actually has not always been there for CSU in these matchups against UNLV. They got swept by the Rebels, you know, a couple of years ago, pretty much cost them the the regular season Mountain West Championship. Um, But that's what was really encouraging about this one. And it kind of reminded me of that first performance that he had against, you know, UNLV way back in the day. Um, in that first game in tw- February 2020, he had 21 points on seven of eight shooting from the field, very similar to Neek. Five assists, five rebounds. Been a UNLV killer ever since, at least statistically. Um, seven or eight of nine career games he has scored in double digit figures against them. The only time he didn't, his first time in Vegas as a freshman. 
now 5-0 and in orange outs, like I said, very fitting that the first and last were against the Rebels. CSU as a team, uh, they're now 13-2 and in those orange out games going back to 2010, uh, records against teams. They're 3-1 and against UNLV. They are 6-1 and against Wyoming, 3-0 and against San Diego State, 1-0 and against New Mexico. Uh, I'm not going to go through every single year, but the, the first ever one back in 2010 was an 80 to 64 victory over Wyoming. Been a lot of fun ones uh, against the, the pokes over the years, obviously some epic ones uh, against the Aztecs. So before we kind of get out of here and I'm going to actually record another podcast today. So we'll have plenty of hoops thoughts. Um, I just thought it would be fun to kind of go through some of uh, my favorite orange out moments from over the years. So I'm going to go five through one. I, these are my personal ones. So, I mean, it's not necessarily going to be based on like the season or the team success or that. Although, I mean, that is a factor generally in enjoying a big win is what did it mean? You know, if you win a big game in a, in a meaningless season, you know, like how big really was it? But anyways, let's just get into it. At number five, I'm actually going... I'm going with Friday night. I'm going with the 2024 win over UNLV because of how pivotal it was for this team. This league is as deep as ever. UNLV has been that thorn in CSU side for a couple of years where like the Rams are able to figure it out. They're able to, you know, split against UNM and split against the Aztecs and split against Boise and Nevada and everybody else. But it's just been this UNLV team, this pesky program that's been a thorn in our side. You know, you go down 10 in the second half, like, oh man, this is going to be a bummer in front of the sold out crowd. It's going to, you know, really kill the energy and it's going to put so much pressure going into this road trip next week, which man, that's going to be tough. They, I think you got to hope to go one and one. I mean, if you could somehow go two and two and, and pull out two road wins, even if it's not, you know, against like the top three teams in the league, it's hard to win away from Moby. So if they could find a way to do it, it would be huge, but this win on Friday night against UNLV, it was awesome. The orange out crowd was epic, you know, record student turnout. I, I, I'm putting it in my top five. It really is tough. There hasn't been an or that many orange outs. I haven't enjoyed, although I was there for both losses. <laughs> and at four, um, and I struggled because this was as fun of a college basketball atmosphere as I've ever been in, but I'm going the 2021 win over Wyoming. That was the the Roddy EK game. Um, another sold out crowd. The the atmosphere was epic in that one. CSU able to pull it out, sixty eight to fifty nine. I felt like defensively, what CSU was able to do uh, against um, EK and Maldonado in that game was just so significant. And you know, it was a, a really high level win that the Rams needed at home. Now they obviously didn't go on to win the league that year, which you know was disappointing. But they also ended up getting a six seed and earned a, a higher bid than the, the team that did win the league. So that was a huge moment, a fun one in Fort Collins. Those wins over Wyoming always mean a lot. And I had to get one against the Pokes in there. Um, number three, 2022 win against San Diego State, a.k.a. the James Moores block. David Roddy went off in this one. That was a really fun game back and forth. CSU pulls it out 58 to 57, an absolute nail biter. Uh, one. Any win over the Aztecs is fun. Obviously, you get the the court storm afterwards, which you know is a moment that nobody ever forgets. Uh, but just how whiny some folks around the league were after that one. That one, I take a little bit of satisfaction and just 
knowing how much it, it pissed off, you know, some of the, the Aztecs faithful and even uh, some other supporters from around the league who weirdly have anti-CSU agendas. Uh, number two, I'm going the 2017 win against San Diego State. This was probably, in terms of games I've been at, man, this this was a game that meant a lot to me. Um, Emmanuel had lost his family tragically in a house fire, you know, less than a year before that. He hits the game-winning shot, just goes into to tears after the game. You know, he talked about what it meant to him and how he could feel his family with him. And I, I honestly, like, I'm, I'm starting to get choked up even just thinking about it. Um, he was just such a special guy. And I was really fortunate in student media that I got to cover, you know, him and, and Gian and, and some of those guys who were just so great to me over the years. Obviously, very talented basketball players. It was a whole lot of fun. Um, but I mean, I, I just, he was such a remarkable individual and to be able to have the season that he did after what he went through. I mean, I just, I, I have so much respect for him, man. I, I just, I don't know how he did it, but I think seeing him hit that shot and my, my colleague from back at the collegiate Abbey Park took a really powerful photo of, you know, Amagbo in tears kind of holding his Jersey, like on the ground, just overwhelmed. Um, one of my favorite sports photos of all time. I'll never forget that moment. And even like talking about it now, I'm like, maybe I should put this one just because it meant so much to me beyond basketball. Um, but I'll, I'll never forget that night. Truly. I'll never forget that night as long as I live. And Emmanuel is just such a special dude. So I'm just really thankful that I was able to be there and witness that and understand the context of it. And, get to talk to a really eloquent Emmanuel in the moment, which again, you know, I don't even know how he was able to play and, and do what he did that season, but to then play and then, you know, to just be so articulate after the game and be able to, you know, explain exactly what it meant to him. And yeah, it, it was just something else. So that, that one was really special to me. If you can find uh, that full game somewhere online, I highly recommend you watch it. That team was fun. Both games that year against, or all three games against San Diego State that year were fun. CSU, they were down by like at least 12, maybe even 14 in all three of those games. Come back to win all of them, including a, a crazy one at Viejas and then a thriller in the Mountain West Tournament semifinals. Fortunately, had to play a, a heater of a Nevada team on like 12 hours of rest after that, but story for another day. Uh, at one, we got to go to the 2013 win against San Diego State. Uh, the Octi is dunk to seal it, as Swolecracker commented. Uh, the Harlem shake at halftime. You know, I share that clip about once a year. I know it's so outdated. Nothing makes me look older than referencing uh, a Harlem shake. But it, that moment was, I was a senior in high school, and it just solidified like what I thought college was going to be basically. And it made me just so desperately want to be a part of that atmosphere night in and night out. And like, it sounds crazy to say this, but the success of those teams in like 2011 through 2013, which really is what made me fall in love with college basketball on a much deeper level, that really played such a significant role. And like, who I am today and where I ended up with my career. I mean, I very, I very likely would have always ended up at CSU. I've been a Ram guy my whole life. My dad went there. The odds of me ending up anywhere else were, were pretty slim, but 
I don't know, man. There, I just remember like being intoxicated by those Moby atmospheres and the thought of like, oh my God, I get to be in this arena every single night. Like, are you kidding me? I, I don't know, man. It just, it really changed my life. And, you know, now I've spent basically the last decade of it in Moby Arena. I started as a, an assistant for the football team back when their offices were still over there. Now, obviously, they've got fancy stuff inside Canvas Stadium. And, you know, the, the basketball teams, men's and women, were the first big beats that I worked on for student media. I don't know, man. I just, just kind of think back to, like, this journey and how it all began. And there are a million different things that that happened along the way. And I'm thankful for all of them. But, you know, I don't know. I don't know if I would be a college basketball aficionado. I don't know if I would be a podcast host that you know, is this into college hoops if it wasn't for, you know, the runs of those teams under Tim Miles and obviously Nico Medved, an assistant up until, you know, the end. I'll never forget that stuff, you know, and it's really cool, honestly, because I didn't, as a student, there were some fun moments. Um, Unfortunately, my freshman and sophomore year, hoops was kind of down, so I didn't really get to experience that type of atmosphere. Got to experience it somewhat as a as a student reporter, obviously in the uh, 2017 games, a great example of that. And I think there were a couple of court storms that year. I didn't get to take part of them because I was covering the game from a media perspective. Um, but to now kind of come full circle 10 years later or 11 years later, I, I really feel like that atmosphere and it, it was kind of here two years ago too. It's back. You know, I, I think we could be a little rowdier in Moby. I'm not gonna lie. The energy's great. The support is great. I think it could be chaos for 40 straight minutes. I don't, maybe that's too much to ask for. I know we do have a kind of an older crowd, you know, when it comes to the, the general public and that's fine. You know, I'm not trying to make it seem like we don't want them there. They've been supporting the Rams for years. Nobody deserves to see them have this success, you know, or nobody deserves it more, you know, than them who have been with this team since the very beginning. But I, I want it to be, just insanity you know you want it to feel like the pit you want it to feel like viejas and i think right now moby is epic it's absolutely epic but we can take it one notch higher just go a little bit harder give a little bit more and we can make moby one of the hardest places in the country to play like when that thing gets rocking it is loud it just it traps the sound so much better than canvas does i do feel like it was a factor down the stretch and you know, I get that when you go down 10, if you're down seven at halftime, maybe the energy is not going to carry through the, the same way than if you're just like murdering someone. Um, funny enough, I think that student drilling the the beer for a year shot first attempt and just nailing a backflip afterwards. I think that was beneficial. I think it really carried the energy through the half when without that, you're sitting there, you're down seven, you pulled it out against Air Force in overtime the game before, but I think, you know, the the fans, we know how fickle and emotional everybody can get. I'll point to my Twitter mentions at halftime, um, but I just, I feel like it was huge. And again, I'm kind of nitpicking here, but it's it's been an awesome atmosphere. It's been so cool to see the way that the community has bought into this team. I really do think that this group is capable of, doing something we've never seen before, like, you know, sweet 16, maybe even beyond. There's so much basketball to be played between now and then. If they don't do that, that doesn't necessarily mean it's a failure or anything like that. I'm just saying, I, I think this team is capable 
of doing it all. And that's what we need to kind of strive for here. You know, San Diego state, they've been the the face of the league. They look beatable, you know, they look tough. I'm never going to, never going to not show them the respect that they deserve. The, the league still runs through them until proven otherwise, but nobody in this conference is perfect. And that includes CSU, but this team is, is battle tested. They're savvy. They've got a great veteran presence. They're unselfish and they're well coached. So they're going to have an opportunity to, to be in the thick of it here. So big week coming up. Um, We'll see. I don't know what to make of Nevada, man. Gerard Lucas, Blackshear, I love that backcourt duo. But also, like, defensively, they've been kind of a mess at times. They're inconsistent. Um, shooting has been up and down. They just lost kind of a, a frustrating one against Wyoming. Wyoming's another team that, you know, you don't want to overlook them. I promise you that, like, especially in Laramie. So we'll see. We'll see, I guess. We've got a lot of basketball to talk about in the coming week. I'm going to try and get... Uh, some more friends of the pod on get some different perspectives, but I, I really appreciate all of you for tuning in with us this morning. DMVR Rams live shout out to my producer, Alyssa behind the sticks. None of this would be possible without her. And a shout out to all of you. You make my dreams come true. Always proud to be much love y'all. Peace. Peaches out of Palisades, sweet as mama's marmalade. This shit sound like summer days, the windows down on harmony. The family band sing harmonies, my daddy played the drums. My mama slapped that bass, my sister sang these songs. Dancing under canopies, we thank the trees for all their leaves. We are just some drops of water together, make up seven seas. And one day I'll be like my father, one day I will learn to breathe. I'm choking on the thought that I am not the man I want to be. I got blood on my shirt, like I wear my heart on my sleeve. She said I look good in red, but that went straight to my head. So now she's rocking my teeth, tucked into new prodigies. And we ain't spoken a month, but I just saw her last week. The lipstick stain still on my cheek, like we ain't talk enough. And we always seem to laugh, but never nod at us. So the future's looking grim, it's kinda ominous. And this song ain't about love, that'd be too obvious. See, this is more about lust and all of my misconceptions. And this is more about me and all of my self-deception. I'll tell myself a lie 100 times, don't need corrections. But every night I pray to God, I hope I learn my lesson. And the peaches out from Palisade. And they sweet as mama's marmalade. And this should sound like summer days, the windows down on harmony. The family band sing harmonies, my daddy played the drums. And my mama slapped that bass, and my sister sang these songs. Dancing hand in hand, we were tripping two left feet. Like a middle school slow dance, no one knew how to leave. But I'm so thankful for these days.